in this godless land that delivered me I cried so many tears even blind can see woman this is a woman's world this is my world today's topic is a trigger for some it is about miscarriage if you need some help or need to speak to someone please contact areas such as miscarriage support lifeline suicide callback service beyond blue and sands if you are an international client uh, or listener things like march of dimes international stillborn alliance and the uh, miscarriage association or go to your gp and seek professional help i hope you enjoy this episode welcome heather how are you Hi. All the way from Good. where are you? I am in Wisconsin, wow. United States. Wow. Can, like if we have the map up, where is that on the map? It is more northern. Yep. Towards like towards Canada, but farther east. Yep, yep, yep. And what's the weather like there now? It is a mixture. So yesterday was about 60 degrees Fahrenheit yep. and today it is 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So what's that in degrees? What is that anyway? Is it hot, cold? Give me give me a gauge. 60 is chilly. It's not quite ah. cold. And then 90 is hot. Ah, fair enough. Well, we're in winter here in Sydney um, and okay. we're going through another lockdown. So... It is what it is, all good. But, you know, this this has been like a bit of a random kind of occurrence uh, because you're coming on here to talk about your journey. Yes. And the topic is definitely uh, a tough one. Um, and there's not a lot of women or even partners that want to talk about this topic because it's quite close. It's quite emotional and sensitive um, but I wanted to bring it to lie and you've been kind enough to talk about your story of um, yeah life after miscarriage yep so tell me a little bit about yourself who are you um well I'm I'm 27 I'm here in Wisconsin Um, I do have a husband and uh, one living child she's eight years old um I was in nursing for the last 10 years, and I just switched over my career to run a warehouse for, like, parts, like nuts and bolts and screws and all those things. So a little bit of a big change, but. Change is good. Yes. Change is great. Um, And I see that you're. In an empty house? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really empty. So that's another change, right? Yes. We just bought our that's house. Another... I just picked the keys up today and yeah. I have been cleaning all day, trying to get everything ready to completely redo the place. That's exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah. Um, so like I wanted to do this, people might, when they listen to my podcast, they're going, why is Sally talking about this? I'm talking about this topic because, um, I had a close, you know, friend go through it and it's been in the news lately because in, um, 
you know, Australia, the federal government has introduced a legislation that will add miscarriage to the compassionate and bereavement leave entitlement, which means two days of paid leave will be provided to those who miscarry before 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to bring that online and I wanted to talk to someone who's gone through it. And um, not it's super brave of you to jump online to talk about it because you're talking to someone who we literally just literally met yesterday. Yeah. Online. <laughs> you know, what, what, what was, what, what was your journey? And like, why did you want to come and talk about it with me? Um, so my journey was a very long and drawn out one. Um, because when I first found out I was pregnant, it was in July of last year, 2020. Um, I took the test, got the positive, went in, um, got all my blood work done. It came back great. And then I went in for the first ultrasound and my uterus was growing the way it was supposed to, but they didn't see anything. So they assumed it was a missed miscarriage or a chemical pregnancy um, and that I they had me come in every day or every other day. Sorry, it's every two days um, for probably two or three weeks. And my levels of HCG kept rising, but they were only rising by two or three hundred each time. Um, so finally... My last uh, physical appointment of the actual pregnancy, I went in and my doctor was kind of like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, like at, usually at this point, your numbers start gliding back down. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, I got a little bit of pressure over on my right side here. It's nothing that's super painful, but I would thought I would bring it up. Um, so he took me in for an ultrasound immediately and we found out it was a 12 week ectopic pregnancy. And after that, I had to go to the uh, cancer unit by myself. This was in the midst of COVID. Um, and I had to sit there for three hours because the drug that they had to give me was, is a cancer drug. It's methotextrate. And it has to be drawn up based on your uh, body weight and body fat mass. So I had to sit there for three hours knowing that I was getting a medical abortion by myself. Um, and then, I mean, it was, I turned over, leaned over a chair, got three shots in my butt and set me on my way. Um, wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, and then three days later, my baby boy came out. I was in the middle of a Hobby Lobby, which is a home furniture store over by us. I don't know if you have Hobby Lobbies or not. Um, and oh, I, I had to no. drop everything and went home. Well, um, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure, like, I don't know the statistics. Um, and you've got a nursing background. You probably know a lot more than I do in terms of that. But I think... Um, I read somewhere it's like 120,000 women go through that. Now, this is just one conversation. I don't know in what time frame. I'm guessing um, maybe in less than the, in a year, and that's people that have actually said something and gone to the doctor and known about it. Yeah. That's the big thing, known about it. Right. You know, your story um, is like 
like many, many women out there where it's like this journey, you know, you start and you're excited. It's a happy thing. You're telling me you're going for the blood test. You're doing all these things. It's like, ah, high and high. And you haven't, you haven't even talked about the body, how your body was reacting. And then, you know, you're telling me you went on your own and then like, it's, you're in the middle of the shop and you know, it happens, you know? And I know like, when you're you're in you're in like high school, we have high school, I don't know like what um year that is, like from seven to twelve, and you get your period and you know, everyone kind of laughs at you if you've got blood on you. Like, what do you do in that situation? What are your emotions through that? Like, is it survival? Or is it just like just leave? How are you feeling? How did how did you get through that? Um, well, I after I got the shots, I wore a pad because the whole time I was spotting anyways. Yep. And I knew that it was going to come within um, 72 hours. So I just basically wore like big diaper pads. So when I went to the bathroom, because it kind of felt like it just kind of felt like a big gush of blood, almost like when you're on your period and it hits you unexpectedly and you're like, oh, my God. So I ran to the bathroom and that's when I pulled my pants down and had seen my 12 week baby. So, mm, mm, mm. so, so much, so, so much like you're telling me and I'm like, I don't know how to feel, you know? So, um, you know, I'm really sorry that you had to go through this, but I wanted to definitely bring it to light. Um, uh, and you're, you're, you're a nurse, right? So, you know, the science behind it, mm-hmm. how do you distinguish between the science and the emotion? Because your body says one thing and your brain goes, this is normal. It's not your fault. This is normal. It's really hard. It's really hard even for people that have higher medical backgrounds than I do um, because it's, it's chemical makeup. It's not something that you can control and you can bring a book out and be like, you know, I learned this. I know what this is. So uh, the difference between your body and your brain is kind of like a chemical warfare when it comes to it, which I don't feel is a dramatic comparison. Mm, mm, Got you. Was there a point in the journey that you felt I could go either way in terms of you know, my well-being or my mental health? Like, how was your mental health throughout it? And, you know, did you get, like, I'm going to ask you, like, how was your partner? Because it affects them too. We don't realize. Um, I think, so for the first question, the mental, or the first part of the question, the mental part, going through it kind of felt like robotic like going through the motions and you're just kind of doing it to do it. You've got to do it. You don't have a choice. Um, and this is the same with my second miscarriage. I had one five months after, and it was a four week miscarriage. Uh, that one wasn't as traumatic for me. So it doesn't usually hit me as bad. Um, but the first one, I kind of let myself. You're saying that the first time it was very robotic, does that mean like, did you have time to do, to grieve or what do you mean by robotic? You know, 
Not during the process, not during the loss of the child itself. Um, it was very doctor's appointment, ultrasound, get the shots, wait for the baby to come out, lose the baby. Um, mm-hmm. And that felt very robotic to me, very get through the motions, work through it. You don't really have time to break down and process what is happening. Mm. Why don't you have time? Because it it was very quick. It was very, very quick of, hey, this is happening. You you can't let your emotions and um, yourself get to yourself before, before this is over. Like you have to get through this before you can let yourself break it down and process it. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And like you look quite fit. Do you train? Yes. <laughs> um, sometimes. <Yeah>. So <laughs> I work in a very um very mobile and athletic type of background. I lift a lot of heavy boxes, yeah. I do a lot of walking, um, a lot of running, stuff like that throughout the day. And then I eat fairly healthy. So So during that time. Did that affect your day-to-day activities? Like, did you want to get up and run? Absolutely. No. No. So that's normal? No. That it's, it's very normal, yes. And did you want to eat healthy? No. no. That's okay. You kind of, um, kind of give up on yourself. You kind of let yourself go downwards, spiral a little bit, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get up and work out. I didn't, um, eat healthy. I started drinking, like trying to find some, some coping mechanisms, even though they weren't healthy at that point in time, it was trying to find something that you can kind of put your grasp on for a little bit of clarity. Mm. Really interesting that you said that the coping mechanism, everybody has different coping mechanisms. So was there a point in the journey where you could have gone, oh, I'm going to keep drinking and I don't want to exercise or let's, let's take the next path. And, you know, was there, is there a cycle? Is there a time frame? Did you feel like there was a time frame for you to be like, I'm going to be going to go through all these coping mechanisms and then I'm going to stop or, you know what I mean? Um, so with the first one, there was no time frame. It was just, I hit a little bit of a rock bottom. Um, my marriage was starting to suffer. My sex life was starting to suffer. Um, my parenting and my relationship with my daughter, just everything was starting to turn to turmoil. And I started to hate myself for how I was acting the things I was doing to myself and the people around me. Um, and that's when I kind of lit a fire under my ass. And um, I stopped drinking for a couple months just to help myself um, get mentally healthy before I could have a couple of drinks with friends and stuff like that and not take it overboard. Um, I started seeking therapy. Um, I have a counselor that I see twice a week for an hour. Um, 
And in all honesty, my biggest saving grace was talking about it. Mm. It was when you go through it, you feel so alone. You feel like this never happens to anybody. This is happening to me and I can't talk about it. I can't go to my friends and be like, hey, guess what happened to me last night? Um, and and so it it kind of eats you. That alone feeling kind of eats you alive. And I, I do have a huge support system, um, but you don't feel like you can connect with those people on that level. And like you asked about uh, my husband's grievement, he was grieving a lot. And when I was going through this process of coping, unhealthy coping and uh, grieving, I didn't see that. I didn't see it because I saw me, I saw who was physically holding the child and my body, both physically and chemically were just exploded kind of. Uh, So that happened to me and I didn't feel like I could have him as my support system, if that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Uh, obviously, you're both going through a different path. Like you are the physical. You mm-hmm. said you were holding the child. You actually went through the hormone changes. I don't know if you were nauseous mm-hmm. in the morning. Like there's all these ongoing reminders that you would still suffer even after you had that miscarriage. Whereas, you know, I'm pretty sure yeah. your partner or your husband went through things, but not on a consistently, minutely, hourly basis. You're not disregarding the the path. But it is different, mm-hmm. and it is, and it is. There's a reminder. Yeah, yeah. Even like when you're that's talking about it. Sorry, no, that's fine. Even when you're yeah. talking about it too, you know, it comes to the surface. Yeah. It does, but right, like right now, it's next month. So August 18th was um, my actual loss of out of body. And now I am, it's been a year almost. Now I am mentally okay enough to talk about it. Now I am mentally okay enough to make dark humor about it. And that sounds terrible, but I am someone that healthily copes with dark humor. And I'm at an okay place to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's taken you a year to mm-hmm. get to that stage. And it has. Some people that doesn't, it, it never happens, you know. And I'm so yeah. happy that you've like you've seen a counselor because, yeah, <laughs> you know, as I said, you are a health professional, you know, you've studied, you've been in the field, yet, you know, we don't, we don't have the tools to, to kind of flip the script and put the mirror on ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyone out there that's listening, it's don't be ashamed to seek help professional help because that's what they're there for absolutely 100 percent. and it's it's even me as a health professional um you think that you are fine on your own you think you can handle this um but sometimes you just don't have the tools to help yourself and you don't even realize that um and it's I mean, even if you are one of the most happiest people in the world, therapy is still good for you. Yep. What's the one thing that you've gotten out of the therapy? One thing. Um, 
talking about it. <laughs> How does it feel when you talk about yeah. it now? It, it still has a little bit of a heavy sadness to it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's helped me in so many ways because it does, it is such a taboo subject. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to discuss it. Um, but it's a connection that you make with someone once you do talk about it and realize that they have gone through it too, that you can't have with anybody else. And it makes you feel seen, heard, better inside. And that's what helped heal me. I even found out with my second miscarriage that my best friend had one at the same time. And I didn't know about that until I think actually two or three months ago, once I finally like got around to talking to her about it. Amazing that you found that similarity. And it's like, you know what? You know, there's a lot of imagine imagine the people you walk down the street, the women that have gone mm-hmm. through it and in silence and or like parents or grandmothers. Like imagine that era. Like we're so lucky to live in this era where we can do a podcast about it, you know? Absolutely. And talk about it. <laughs> Um, look, what would you tell someone who's just gone through this? It's been a year post for you. You had two, you've got a beautiful child. You've transitioned in terms of your job. You've got a beautiful home, like all these things are happening. It's like this, this amazing rebirth. I can see, you know, your energy is completely like amazing coming through. Even when you're texting me, I can see there's like a strong, there's something strong behind you, you know? Um, so like, um, and you've told me you weren't that strong during that time. You just told me. No. So what would you say to someone who's just gone through it? Like literally gone through what you've just described initially. Let yourself grieve. Let yourself grieve. Don't try and push it off with unhealthy coping mechanisms because in the long run, that really makes it a lot worse. And when you go through the grievement process, like truly go through the grievement process, um, it hits you harder and it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to call your best friend. It's okay to search Facebook groups. It's okay to download apps. It's okay to do a podcast. If you feel your best way to get over it is speaking out, stand up and speak. Amazing. So speaking out go through the grievement process, seek some help and know that there's so many other people that are going, like you don't know, if you, if you don't have that conversation, you don't know how many people have gone through it. And absolutely, look, I wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast, um, being so um, honest and raw, takes a lot. So I just wanted to thank you. Yeah, thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it will be greatly appreciated if you have a spare 60 seconds to put a review on this podcast. It would mean so much, especially to a small business. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I'll see you soon. Bye.